Welcome back to FinCast, the Financial Integrity Network's podcast series. I'm Juan Zarati. On this episode, revolutionizing the AML system using federated machine learning, a conversation with Consilient and Intel, and three of the key architects bringing this vision to life. Why isn't the administration moving harder on sanctions? There's more of a military solution to this than most terrorist financing issues. Organizational structures as a key component for helping to develop confidence. White knights of illicit finance are a myth. They don't really exist. It's a direct attack on the, on the money laundering vulnerability. President Putin's reaction to any of these allegations in the past has been prove it. Welcome back to FinCast. Very happy to have you back to talk about the revolution of the anti-money laundering system with the use of new technologies, in particular, federated machine learning. And I'm incredibly proud and, and pleased to be able to be, be speaking with three colleagues and friends and three of the key architects in bringing this new model and technology to life. Uh, Gary Schiffman, CEO of Consilient, also CEO of Giant Oak Technologies. Nikhil Deshpande, Director of Artificial Intelligence and High Performance Computing Innovation at Intel. And Parviz Paravi, Global CTO for Financial Services Industry Solutions at Intel. Three of the bright minds in the space and three great colleagues. Uh, Consilient and Intel uh, just recently published a new white paper entitled Federated Learning Through Revolutionary Technology, a 21st Century Solution for Combating Money Laundering and the Financing of Terrorism. A bold ambition, some bold technology, and two companies trying to bring this to market and to bring it to life. That's what our conversation is going to be about. Gentlemen, welcome. Thank you for being a part of this FinCast. Thanks, Juan. Great to be here. Thank you. Well, Gary, why don't we start with you? Um, you've long talked about the use of machine learning and behavioral analytics to change the way the industry thinks about anti-money laundering and the effectiveness of the system. Talk to us about federated learning and machine learning and the application of Dozer and what you and I, frankly, are trying to achieve with Consilient. Great, Juan. Thanks. Um, and, and thanks for finally inviting me on to FinCast. You know, I've been a loyal listener for all, all this time, and it's kind of um, intimidating to be on the other side of, uh, of the microphone <laughs> and speaking into it. So it's great to be here with you. Thank you, Gary. Um, it, so Dozer is the technology inside of Consilient. And before I get into Dozer, I think starting with machine learning, and then federated learning as a subset is a great place to start the conversation. So as you, as you said in the introduction, I'm a behavioral scientist. And about 10 years ago, I started to work on teams engaged in machine learning. And so for 10 years now, I've been thinking a lot about behavioral science and machine learning. And, and that might sound strange, but it actually makes perfect sense because Behavioral science is about understanding patterns of human behavior. And in my case, my, my vocation is thinking about illicit human behavior. So financial crimes and, and, uh, and money laundering and coercion and corruption, things like that. But those are patterns. You can think of those as patterns of behavior. Machine learning is technology to identify patterns. 
It's inductive learning and it learns by example and you provide patterns to an algorithm and now the algorithm knows other patterns to go after. And so this, this amazing confluence of technology, machine learning, behavioral science coming together is enabling us to have conversations in the public safety and security and financial integrity space that we, we could have talked about 10 years ago, but we could not have really implemented. So machine learning is learning by example. Federated learning is allowing for the creation of a community of people with a shared interest to collaborate and yet preserve privacy. So we're going to enable better machine learning, orders of magnitude better capabilities than exist in the market today. We're going to do it uh, efficiently, and we're going to do it while preserving privacy. And that's what this initiative is really all about, Juan. That's a great description, Gary. And um, listeners will remember that the very first FinCast we recorded was a, a conversation that Chip Ponzi and I had about the need for a new model for the AML-CFT system and, and talking through what those models could look like, including a utility model. And I think what you've described, Gary, is really bringing to life uh, the technology that allows for shared risk, uh, shared cost, uh, and a more effective, efficient system with security at its core. So Absolutely. That's, that's fantastic. Parviz, I want to turn to you um, and to Nikhil to give the listeners a sense as to how Intel is viewing the environment. Obviously, internally, given everything that Intel is building with its technology, which we'll get into, but also um, how you're seeing the market play out and, and why you're uh, involved with Consilient at all. Um, Parviz, can you give the listeners a sense of your, your role as global CTO for financial services industry solutions? Absolutely. Good question. Uh, so I know most of audience um, known and knowing Intel as a company that deliver innovative technology, especially silicon technology, CPUs and computing devices. But uh, our group at Intel, which I've been at Intel for 24 uh, plus years, uh, focused on actually working what uh, we call our end users, which is include our partners and as well as an um, enterprise community. Um, and the reason for that is to understand the challenges of our customers and uh, enterprise customers, what they are going through. And these challenges is not only technology perspective, but understanding their business challenges and trying to find a solution in a collaborative fashion. And um, our group, uh, specifically group that I'm working with, work with 60 plus largest financial institution worldwide. And we continuously interact with them on understanding of the challenges, issues, or, or areas that they are interested to find new capabilities and add into uh, the, their services, uh, basically. One of the areas that we have seen over years uh, is spin compliance. Uh, and, and specifically part of compliance, fraud detections, and anti-money laundering. It's been a problem that we have been continuously work on it, uh, but as we uh, basically focused on developing new technology from 2000 and after, and then we got into an internet and, and, and uh, basically uh, architecture, distributed architecture, and digitalization of the society and number of devices have been introduced and number of ways that you can connect and uh, uh, basically use uh, different device and also method uh, to 
to, to, to basically run uh, a illegal operations, finding those illegal operations become more complex. So we were interested to what is the best way of addressing this challenge. And so we started about three years ago, we started looking at this uh, from a data exchange platform, because this is one of the utopia in financial services that share data across different uh, financial institutions. Therefore, they can enhance different type of capabilities. And one of them is addressing financial crime. Uh, with the data, direct data exchange, we, de- we develop a project and, and we uh, ran a proof of concept with Ma- Mass Monetary Authority of Singapore and, and a couple of banks in the region. Uh, and we actually announced that and, and it's in 2018. Uh, what we were trying to do is collecting data and run uh, distributed analytics on top of that. The problem that we faced at a time was uh, the architecture works well, the, the, the result was and, uh, interesting. However, uh, the practical implementation was challenging. Why? Because we have to move data from different jurisdiction, different country uh, to another location so we can have a centralized data management and run analytics on top of that. Therefore, we came up across uh, the concept that Google introduced to market the first in 2015, and then Intel, um, different Intel team in healthcare um, uh, division, uh, they implemented with multiple cancer research and institution. Uh, and that project was using federated learning. Uh, and that's what our interest started, specifically my interest in our group, uh, looking at how we can apply the learning and knowledge of federated learning, which doesn't and require movement of data. We are moving uh, algorithm from one location to another, and, uh, and uh, we are able to collect that knowledge and be able to provide better result outcome, which we will dive into it more in, in detail later. Uh, but that's where my interest and, and Intel interest basically grow more and more because we do have a specific technologies uh, that um, uh, it's going to be, uh, provide a secure multi-party uh, analytics and enable this type of um, implementation in a highly regulated industry. Parviz, that's remarkable. You uh, laid out so much there. You laid out the, the theory of, of the technology with respect to distributed networks, uh, the evolution from thinking about data exchange and data, data aggregation to the movement of, of the analytics itself and federated with federated learning and transfer learning. Um, and this, this meshes very well with what Gary was talking about in terms of moving from the static rules-based model of singular institutions having to worry about compliance and thinking about a distributed network of actors to be able to share the analytics and for data to be interrogated as opposed to it having to move, um, which is all rather revolutionary uh, for those who've been watching the space, that a space that has relied very much on the idea of data aggregation on rules-based models, on each institution uh, worrying about its own risk. This is a very different model. And what you and Gary have already described is the technology that that enables it. Fascinating. Uh, Nikhil, um, you obviously have a, a broad view of this as well through your role as director of AI and high-performance computing innovation at Intel. Um, and, and Intel, thanks to your leadership, has developed um, – some very sophisticated uh, software and capabilities 
to be able to secure this kind of a networked model. Uh, you call this trusted execution environments, TEEs uh, for short. Um, we've got a lot of acronyms here. And then the Intel SGX um, uh, system, the software guard extensions. Can you talk to us about how you view the environment and how Intel thinks about securing and, and executing and scaling these kinds of networks? Absolutely, one. So first thing I would say is connecting what Gary said about you know moving away from rules-based system to more knowledgeable and insightful machine learning is one component that we need. The next component that uh, Parvez talked about, our experience with getting those insights and learning from the data set. We have a challenge of data, managing the data. Um, there are there are ways to basically get insights from data. Intel is all about innovation that will change the world. And uh, how do you change the world? You change the world with the insights that you are going to get. How do you get the insights? You get the insights from large amount of data that you're capturing. That's what that's what Gary was talking about in terms of machine learning. It's all about learning from the data. The issue becomes when there's not enough data in one place. And Purvis hinted at some of the projects that we did in the past where we try to bring the compute to the data rather than data to the compute, right? So, so what we, we did was in the past, we used to basically, actually I would say the other way around, in the past we used to move uh, data around so that we can do the compute on that aggregated data. And we faced a lot of challenges. The challenges were you cannot move the data that easily. Data has its own properties. It has own its inertia because of compliance and so on. So the idea moving forward is to actually not move the data at all. Keep the data where it is and move the compute to that data, which is what federated learning or community-based learning is. But when you do that, you have to take care of another aspect of the important part for adopting this methodology, which is how do you ensure security and privacy of the data and the compute that you are going to work on? And that's where Intel SGX comes in. Uh, this is a technology based on the concept you mentioned, TEE. Uh, it stands for Trusted Execution Environment. It is the execution environment where the basic idea behind TEE is, think of it that whatever happens inside that environment, you can trust it, okay? Now, Intel SGX is a TEE in the sense that it's a hardware-based technology that allows you to make sure that Everything inside that enclave or inside SGX is protected from actors or malware outside of the system. So if you think about you know, protecting the data and compute in federated learning, uh, you will want to put that technology, the TEE technology, on both ends. There are two ends in the federated learning. One is where your data is residing. This is the bank edge, right? The financial institution has the data on which the machine learning model is going to train on. And then there's another component where uh, Consilience Dozer Algorithm Factory, which is an aggregation engine, where the model is going to get evolved as, as we learn more and more from that data. Both of these ends need to be protected. And this is where Intel SGX comes in. What, what we are basically protecting against is, if you look at the edge side, you have a fear of malware stealing the model or tampering with it, and through which data can be leaked. If you look at the algorithm factory, which is the aggregation node side, you have similar challenges as to how you are going to protect the model 
from theft, as well as how you're going to protect the model from tampering with. And in between, there's a constant communication going on to update this model. That's what federated learning is all about, evolving the model as we learn in every epoch. But that communication could be broken by the malware, and you could be facing denial of service attack. So Intel SGX basically is a technology that allows you or helps you protect against these type of threats by helping you protect the data and the code. Okay, So it protects you, helps you protect against the software attacks. So even if your rest of the platform, rest of the server is uh, has malware in the OS, drivers, BIOS, VMM, and so on, we are actually helping protect that software, the model, and the data that is being used there. And there's another interesting uh, feature inside Intel SGX, which is called attestation, which is a remote uh, signal that you can get for a bank, let's say, that whenever some remote computation is happening, how do I know that computation is happening in a secure and privacy-preserving manner? That basically is what we call attestation. So banks on the edge node would know precisely whether the computation that is happening on the dozer algorithm factory has been protected against these, some of these threats. And the same thing can happen for the algorithm factory to know whether the edge is being protected by that. And these are, these are the technologies that when they come together, we have now secure privacy preserving federated learning. And that's where the innovation is going to happen. And that's what excites me that it's going to basically open up the door because now the data silos is no longer a barrier and hence the insights are not limited. They are unlimited now. Fascinating. And Nikhil, what you described is, is um, so well-timed given the, the very nature of, of networked environments. To your point, the challenge and, and, and the security implications toward um, algorithms and, and uh, mechanisms of analysis that, that obviously uh, prove incredibly valuable, especially in this model, and, and your point about attestation being very important, not just for, let's say, the banks in the system or the regulated entities, but for regulators who are auditing and checking for how these systems work. And so at a time when there's greater data localization, greater sensitivity about privacy and data security, this seems like, it seems like you've cut the Gordian knot here in terms of the, the potential security risks. I, I I would say this way. I think we are on the path to basically create a more trustworthy environment where these use cases that we're talking about, that Gary talks about, uh, addressing the efficacy of AML through the machine learning model. These, these are the challenges that we have. This technology allows you to start addressing those. Um, we have ways to go in terms of you know where we can go and i can talk about some future technologies that are excite extremely exciting but this is the right step uh, that that banks federal institutions financial institutions and uh, consilient and intel get excited about is because you are basically what you just said that you are breaking a puzzle you are breaking a puzzle of data and insights through the providing the assurance or some sort of confidence in the system via privacy and security technologies like Intel SGX. Fascinating. G Gary, I want to come back to you. Yeah, just you know, just to give the, the listeners a, a sense of how we've talked about this. And yeah. and I'm and I'm I have the simplest mind of the the three uh, you know, the four of us here, the three geniuses here I've I've had to learn uh, from constantly. But you know, I think of this as a as a bee um, in a in a in a field that's pollinating and able to move uh, among the flowers or the things that it's uh, pollinating. And the, you know, the, the algorithm is the bee, right? It's traveling from 
from flower to flower, from tree to tree, and comes back to the hive. Uh, and and the, the hive then has the benefit of the insights of, of the algorithm or what the bee produces. Yeah. Gary, can, can yeah. you give folks a picture of uh, the algo factory? Because Nikhil talked about it. And if you think about a network, the algo factory kind of sits at the center and it's where the, the algorithm you know, comes to and uh, to and from and where you get the insights. Can, can you give yeah. people a picture of what that is and how it works? Yeah, I'd, I'd love to do that. And, but I want to start by just kind of like pounding the table or put an exclamation point after what uh, Parviz and Nikhil just talked about. So if, if any of your listeners are not um, technologists and are hearing this for the first time, I want to tell you that 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 feeling in your stomach that you just had when you heard Parviz and, and uh, Nikhil talk about this is exactly right. This is a big deal. This is a one in a generation, once in a generation opportunity for a massive step function uh, improvement in the way we do something. And the phrase that Nikhil mentioned that is just so important is keep the data at rest and move the compute, keep the data at rest. That is such a profound innovation that we're going to be a part of this generation. So everybody listening that's engaged in the um, uh, fighting for financial integrity of the global financial system and, and fighting against financial crime, the ability to keep your data at rest and move the compute is 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 immeasurable right now. It's a super big deal. So you heard that right when you when you heard uh, Parviz and Nikhil talk about that. And secure computing and the the um, trusted execution environment allows this to happen. So that way, the your data is encrypted at rest. Your data is in, encrypted when it's when compute is going on. And so, want to build on your your B analogy, which I like very much, is so Dozer is going to share algorithms and those algorithms are going to go to banks into the algo factory and back to a bank and then back into the algo factory. So you've got this central orchestration hub, which we're calling the algo factory. Um, and think of that as like the beehive and the algorithms go out to the various banks and they pick up information, not data, no PII, but information on patterns, on money laundering, on drug trafficking patterns, on human trafficking patterns, on, on various kinds of financial crime patterns. And it's going to learn from all of the banks that it visits and come back and bring back to the algo factory the, the refinement or the tuning of the parameters of the model for those of you who think about about more more technically we're getting we're getting um, the measurements to fine-tune model parameters and weights and at the algo factory and then sending the algorithm out again so through this collaboration that I talked about and that I'm so excited about we're gonna now have banks, able to collaborate with each other to identify criminal activity, uh, illicit activity in ways that today they can't collaborate 
It's going to happen because we are sharing algorithms, not data. The data stays at rest. Only the algorithm moves. So no, no challenges with moving masses amounts of data. And with the TEE, the trusted execution environment, we're going to, we're going to secure the entire process and, and, and we're going to enable collaboration for the first time. Juan, I don't know if it's a violation of protocol to ask you a question while being on the FinCast. <laughs> I'm happy, but, happy to, to have it in. Um, you know, I have been thinking about behavioral science and machine learning for the past decade, and you and uh, and Chip and the team at Finn have been thinking about um, the evolution of the system to secure the financial system. How um, how do you see, you know, the the evolution of this? So enabled by this technology, and you and I have talked about this for years, and that's why we're doing this together. But I'm excited about the technology and the federated learning. Um, um, how do you see this uh, transforming the system? And as you've been talking about for over a decade. Well, Gary, I really appreciate the question. Uh, to be honest, it's hard for me to contain my enthusiasm. Um, and, and I really, I do have to check myself sometimes. And, and it's a problem talking to you three, because I think we're all uh, firm believers in how revolutionary this technology and model can be. Uh, but Gary, just to, to be brief in answering your question, since 2002, in the post 9-11 period, when we were aggressively thinking about the use of the anti-money laundering system, its expansion, the use of sanctions, et cetera, we knew very clearly, Chip Ponzi, Danny Glazer, a handful of us in the Treasury, that the system was not designed to do what we were asking it to do. Because we were, we were beginning to ask the regulated bodies, not just banks, but money service businesses and others, to be the guardians at the gate of the financial system. Uh, to to work preventively to not allow illicit capital to flow within the system and to do it proactively and uh, and in ways that were systemically relevant. The design of the system currently is a 1970s, 80s analog model that is intentionally reactive, that's um, uh, intended to be a, an aid to building cases, which is incredibly important, don't get me wrong, but is designed to be a singular a chasing of suspicious activity based on rules. Again, this is an analog model in the 21st century when we've developed much greater capabilities with machine learning and now with the technologies that, that Parviz and Nikhil have described. Um, and so when you and I went out to Intel, uh, the Intel compound outside of yes. Portland and the engineers laid out what they had done, uh, as, as Parviz had mentioned, in the cancer cloud context, in the cancer research context, I, I will tell the listeners, I had one of those um, great aha moments that I will always remember because since 2002, I had been looking for and talking to technology companies around the world to see if there was something that could bring a utility model to life or something akin to a utility model. And in what I saw in Intel's work and research and what they had proven was that very model. And so what you three are talking about is really the, the, the ability to imagine and to engineer and to bring to life a utility model that deals with the inefficiencies of the system, deals with the in ineffectiveness of the system, and actually deals with the privacy and data security issues uh, that are at play. And so, again, I it's part of the reason you and I have put 
consilient together and are trying to design this commercially. It's why we're partnering with Intel so enthusiastically. And, you know, for, for listeners who, who know us, they know we're true believers uh, in the, the importance of the system, but it's important that the system evolve. And this is a, a necessary part of that evolution. And I would argue it's the cornerstone of that evolutionary leap. So I hope I didn't take too long, Gary, to answer your question, but I'm such a believer in this. Um, and, and let me, we only have a few minutes left. Let me ask Parviz. Parviz, you've, you've been working on this for some time. What are the challenges with uh, bringing this to life? What, what are you seeing in the financial services sector that, that is, um, that's blocking the, uh, the, the, the potential for this kind of a model to emerge? Uh, so one of the areas that I want to mention, I just had a recent conversation with regulators. Uh, we have to work with regulators hand-to-hand and make sure they fully understand the capability of technologies, uh, challenges, and, and, and uh, problems as well. Because if they do understand that well, they will help us to move this adoption of this type of technology and, and accelerate that. And so that's one of them. But also, uh, we talked about uh, um, uh, other challenges. Is it, It's a common interest, right? Uh, in the past, when we approach each of the financial institution, they always looking at that technologies from a competitive perspective. In this case, actually, we are providing technology that enable financial institution as a, as a group and community all take advantage of it because the common goal is, is not necessarily a differentiated value in terms of introducing new product in the market, but um, commonly finding illegal operation, which we all know goes across the globe. So it's not really within one jurisdiction, one bank data cannot really provide the, uh, uh, the great view uh, of what's happening uh, around and in collaboration with other banks. Uh, so the community approach to this the utility model you just mentioned really uh, uh, matches the need in a market. So that's a really positive sign to, to move forward. However, to get this going, we do need to have a more proof of concept with financial institution. This is a new technology that that, that uh, needs to be evolved as we go forward. That's why three of us are, uh, four of us are here talking about that. And we are doing proof of concept uh, currently with, with few banks. Uh, but getting it to the level that it could be expanded in a scale in a very larger network. This is something that we all have to work on in terms of scalability. Uh, another thing that I, I want to mention, not necessarily from challenge perspective, but actually features capability of what Intel bringing to the table with T and SGX is uh, um, every time that I speak to financial institution globally, uh, the number one challenge that they are bringing up is compliance. How do we provide lineage of a complex distributed network. And that's one of those benefits that this new technology that Intel introduced to the market provide is. It's a lineage capability across where the data is at rest, uh, in transit, or in use, which is the computation and analytics that's running on top of that. So that solved one of the challenges that I saw in the early on in terms of how do, do, uh, do we deal with lineage in terms of this complex network implementation. And now another thing that I want to talk about is um, federated learning can be applied in two ways, horizontal and vertical. What we just described um, in here, it's a horizontal version of federated learning. 
The vertical version also very interesting, and 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 uh, the concept is that you can share data between telecommunication companies, retail companies, financial institution, and that could lead into 360 view of a customer, for example, and new product development, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Challenge will be the legal agreement, the legal and policies that needs to be in place uh, to facilitate and govern uh, this network of communication, ensure that there is no violation of utilizing this information across multiple uh, uh, um, institutions within industry financial services or between different industries uh, altogether. So and I think that this is something that we are very looking forward to working with um, uh, software in uh, companies that develop in technologies such as Consilient, working with uh, regulators uh, and, and prospect in, in, in industry in general uh, to make sure we are evolving this technology from a ground up um, brand new and revolutionary into something practical, useful and scalable for um, global implementation. Parvi's well said, and, and I think what's interesting here is the regulators and policymakers are calling for innovation in this in this space and certainly in this time with uh, greater dependencies uh, in the digital economy uh, because of the COVID crisis and recognition that the current system just is not as effective as it needs to be. Even, even uh, the Financial Action Task Force under the German presidency is focusing aggressively on uh, new technologies and tools uh, to make the AML system more effective. So this comes at just the right time uh, because regulators are looking for answers. Hey, Juan, can I add one more thing? I want to emphasize the point that uh, Pervez was making about attestation. Please. For, for any system, for, for consumers of that system to have confidence in that, you need to have two things. One is the system needs to be trustworthy. And the external entity to that system needs to verify that that system is trustworthy. When you address both of those, basically you have solved the issue of compliance and regulators because now you know that the system is trustworthy and you can also prove that the system was trustworthy for compliance purpose. And that's going to be a game changing for, for, for this use case of uh, money laundering. You not only are doing something innovative, but you're doing something innovative that is trustworthy for third party. Yeah, and, and Nikhil, to that point, and Parviz, to your uh, concern about regulators, you can imagine, and, and we're already having conversations with financial intelligence units and regulators around the world, you can imagine them wanting to incorporate this or import it into their current uh, regulatory models or uh, data access uh, systems. Uh, to, to be able to do precisely what you just described, Nikhil. But by the way, there is another point I want to mention that this technology could be used for internal use within a financial institution due to data silos that we know and eliminate data gravity. Yeah. That means they don't have to move large amount of data across bank internally and use across um, externally with, with community partners as well. Absolutely. It's... it's um, it, once you begin to understand this technology, the your, the imagination begins to open because the the standard borders that have typically restricted the use of data uh, are now open across uh, within institutions, global enterprises, as you just said, Parviz, between institutions, as as Gary and and you two were talking about, and then obviously across borders. And 
at a time of greater data localization, it's rather remarkable uh, to think about the, the potential. Um, Gary, why don't we why don't we close with you with the, the final question? And it goes to Parviz's point about needing more pilots and, and things. Where do you see those pilots emerging? We're obviously having lots of conversations with potential clients and customers and and those interested in the technology. Where do you see uh, some of these pilots emerging and what are you hoping for? Great, Juan, thanks. And thanks again for, for hosting this. This is really cool and a great conversation. As Parvi said, we're in, uh, we're in the pilot stage and the banks that are participating are the banks that want to be a part of the leadership of change and want to be helping to bring about change. And the banks that are participating are banks that want to have their hand on the rudder and be a part of steering this thing as this gets built out. So that's a subset of of the banking world, but there's no other restriction other than that. So this this is a global process. It's a global movement. It can be large banks, medium banks, small banks, doesn't really matter. It can be fintechs, it can be payments processor, it can, it can be kind of from across the industry, but it's about this community of like-minded people that want to come together because this technology exists today that wasn't here two, three you know, years ago. It's here today. We can now do this. And people who are participating are the people who want to be a part of bringing about change and helping to shape what that looks like. And we've got great momentum. We've got um, an amazing team working on what we're calling phase two of the project right now. And if if you are listening to this and if you are interested, if this sounds interesting and fun to you, reach out to us and we'd love to chat with you. It's fantastic, Gary. And and your point about the potential for this to emerge in different environments and ecosystems is really important, especially with new payment systems coming online, new, uh, new consortia uh, emerging. And, and the ability, you just said something very important. I know Nikhil and Parviz focus on this, the ability not just to think about similarly situated inst- institutions, but also uh, institutions in the same supply chain or the same financial or commercial ecosystem. So you me- begin to think about that, that becomes quite an extraordinary ability to manage risk and to discover risk in ways that we can't do yet today. So fantastic. Uh, Gentlemen, I think we're going to have to leave it there, but it's not the last conversation we're going to have about this because this truly is a revolutionary technology and model. Uh, And Gary, you and and the team at Consilient and Parviz and Nikhil, you, you all at Intel are doing remarkable work uh, and I think the listeners are going to want to hear about your progress and uh, maybe some of the challenges you're facing. But certainly, I want to thank you for your time, your insights, and your work. Thank you, gentlemen. Great. Thanks. Thank you for the thank opportunity. Parviz, Nikhil, you guys are awesome. It's great working with you. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you, Gary. So that, that's it for FinCast, this latest episode. We will catch you next time. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for listening to FinCast. We hope you join us for future episodes. Have a great day.